there. So, fathers, if you're in the room, I want you to stand up. Man, you can stand up if you're online too. I can't see you, but I'd, I'd love. If you're in the room, dads, would you stand up? This is Father's Day. Uh, I, I, thank you, women. Y'all stay, y- remain standing. This uh, uh, on Father's Day, listen, ladies, you had, you had your day last month, and man, it's your time to shine, right? And so here's what I'm thankful for, as you can see by, from standing up and people who are sitting down that's not yet fathers. This church, one of the things that's unique, uh, which sadly I say unique uh, about this church is we got a lot of dudes, and I like that, right? Most of your churches have a lot of women and some dudes. We have a lot of dudes. We have a lot of women and a lot of dudes, and I'm thankful for that. And so, uh, man, I am absolutely uh, just grateful for you uh, and for uh, uh, you being a part of this church. And, man, I want to thank the Lord for you and for what he's doing in and through you. And so let's, let's pray together. Let me thank the Lord for you. God, I love you, and I thank you for these men. It is Father's Day. Lord, there's not a man in this room who's perfect. There's not a man in this room who's the perfect dad. Uh, there's not a man in this room who has it all together or knows all that they're doing. Uh, Lord, it, they're, they're just not, Lord. We, we live in a broken world. But God, I thank you for men who love you and run hard after your heart. I thank you for men who are dedicated to being a part of your church, your community, and Lord, what you can do through their kids. I pray you would bless them, bless their families. And God, we, we love you. And Lord, I just thank you for fathers. Even though none of us are great father, or perfect fathers, we have a perfect heavenly father. And God, I pray that we would evaluate ourselves by you. And Lord, I know that there are people who do, who've had, uh, Lord, less than great experiences with an earthly father. And I pray that they would not evaluate uh, uh, the heavenly father off of their earthly father, but that we would all, Lord, uh, evaluate our earthly fathers against the perfect heavenly father. Thank you that that is you. Thank you for these dads and for the the impact that they have. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey dudes, y'all can go ahead and be seated. Uh, Thank you ladies for clapping for for these dudes. Man, here, we celebrate you, man. I I think here at LifePoint, I want you to know, we champion the value uh, of manhood. Uh, We champion you as the father to your kids, as the husband to your wife, and as as leaders in your home. Now, we do that because you know as well as I know that uh, manhood in particular, uh, or in general, all all roles of men are just completely uh, belittled uh, attacked uh, from every angle in our world today, whether it's commercials on TV or shows, whether it's things you read, whether it's blog posts, manhood is attacked and devalued in our world. And we champion you because here's what I literally and I truly believe this. I believe that the problems in our crazy world, uh, they are spiritual problems. You've heard me say this. The problems are spiritual problems. We do not wrestle, Paul says, uh, uh, you know, against flesh and blood right? Uh, they're spiritual problems, and there are many things that are the answers. They all flow to and from Jesus, but here's one of the greatest things that I think, if we want to change our crazy world, one of the greatest things that could happen, one of the greatest things it will take is godly men. And when I say godly, I don't mean perfect, right? I don't mean godly, I, I, I mean godly. People who, men who love Jesus, men who lead their kids and their wives out of a love for Jesus. If that would happen, I promise you, your home would radically change. Your home would radically change, uh, our church would radically change, our community would change, and if, church, and if men all over did that, then I believe our country would radically change. That's the importance of men. 
Matter of fact, a, a, a greeting card company, maybe you've heard of this, a greeting card company several years ago decided to do a case study, a little study. They wanted to do something special on Mother's Day with their greeting cards. Obviously, they're looking for PR, right? But they wanted to do something a little special. So they decided that they would go to a prison, a federal penitentiary, and offer free Mother's Day cards to any convict who would come. They could write their, pick a card, write their mom a note on it or just sign it, put their mom's address on an envelope and they would give them the card for free and mail it for free. It was a raving success. There was so many convicts that showed up that uh, they didn't have enough cards. They ran out of cards. Uh, I mean, they had people, people, convicts were lined up to give their mom a card on Mother's Day. That's beautiful, that's sweet. The greeting card company said, wow. Internally, they're like, this is great PR, but they were thinking, wow, this was a huge success. Let's repeat it on Father's Day. They did not one person showed up. Not one person showed up to send a card to daddy. Uh, and most of the inmates said, we either do not know who our dad is or we do not know where our dad is, okay? Now, this is a case study that reveals a lot, right? And I don't wanna go into all of that, but, but here's what we know. When fathers are not present, when they're absent or when they're disengaged, it leads to children who are adrift and wandering. Uh, it leads to uh, wives who are dishonored and frustrated. It leads to suicide rates multiplying. It leads to anxiety. It leads to stress. It leads to all these things. But when dads are present, when dads are engaged, and when dads are following Jesus, here's what we know. We know that it leads to kids who are disciplined and discipled. It leads to wives who are honored and loved. And it leads to, to churches who are served and to cultures that are changed. That's what we know. That is the importance of the, the power of the presence of a dad. Guys, I, I, whatever you're told in this world, here's what we know for sure, and nobody can change it because it's the way God made it. Your role as leader is absolutely essential in the lives of your kids. It's essential. We can't, people can fight about it. We can argue about it. We can whatever, but it's the way God made it. And so gentlemen, we challenge you hard because we love you and we want your family to be thriving and to be better. And one of the places that's gonna begin is with the dad. And so, man, I am thankful we've got a lot of dads in our church, a lot of men in our church. And man, we wanna reach men because we wanna lead men to lead their families and to change our world. And so thank you dudes for being a part of the church, for being here. That's not the sermon. <laughs> All right, you got that for free. Now let's jump into the sermon. Actually, it's a great segue into our sermon because you see, we're doing uh, this series through the Sermon on the Mount. It's the greatest sermon that's ever been preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived, Jesus. He's basically laying out a manifesto, right? He is laying out the way of the kingdom, which is different than the kingdom of the world. It was a countercultural sermon, revolutionary a sermon that taught his people, hey, this is how the world lives. You wanna be a part of my kingdom. This is how my kingdom people live, right? And so as dads, this whole sermon is amazing uh, because it will teach you how to live uh, counter to the culture that we live in and lead your family in a different way, which will help your family to thrive, 
right? Now, this sermon is found from Matthew chapter five through seven. We're memorizing it. If you're following along with us in our Bible reading, I hope you are. Jump in. You can find it online. Jump in. We're, we're, if you have it, where we are, uh, start memorizing. Uh, start reading the scripture. It's amazing uh, as you memorize it. The scripture says, uh, your word, I've hid my heart that I might not sin against you, right? It helps you uh, to, to walk in the way of God. And so memorize this with us. Uh, the, we covered chapter chapter five last summer, and we're digging through chapter six this summer. And the first few verses of chapter six, Jesus drills down on the three core characteristics of Jewish worship. They are prayer, they are giving, and they are fasting. And we've already talked about two. And what he's drilling down here is he's really not uh, compelling us to do them as much as how we should do them right? Uh, for instance, we talked about prayer and giving already. And he, he said how the Jews, the Jews were, were, were faithful in doing these things. They did them regularly, but the religious leaders were not doing them rightfully. They were not doing them the right way, right? They were doing them in a way that wasn't for the glory of God, but it was for the glory of them. They weren't doing them for, for the, the heart of God, but for the eyes and ears of man, to get praise, not for God, but praise for themselves. They were, the, the religious leaders were doing these things in a way because they wanted people to look at them and say, oh, aren't you something, right? And so he, we, he, he said in prayer, and he said in giving, how to do them, right? And so today, we're gonna look at the third, uh, which is fasting. Now, fasting, and I, I love this because I think <clears throat> fasting is probably the most neglected of all spiritual disciplines, now, spiritual discipline, when you hear someone talk about a spiritual discipline or when you hear us mention spiritual disciplines, they're called disciplines for a reason. You see, some people uh, that, that, that shy away from that because discipline is like, I don't know if I like that word, but they're disciplines for a reason because they require some hard work, right? If you wanna get up uh, and study your Bible, if you're going to pray, if you're going to fast, if you're going to attend worship, all of these things are everything within our society and within you is gonna fight against you doing these things, right? Everything within our society and within you is gonna say, why get up early? You can sleep a little bit longer. Why go to church on Sunday? It's the only day that you have, right? Why fast? Because, man, we obviously are not a, we're a self-indulgent people, not very much denied. So, so everything within you, because we're in a fallen world, and everything within our culture is fighting against these things. That's why they're spiritual disciplines. But they help you to become more like God, more like the Father, more godly. And so if you're going to, to become more like God, then you need to do these things, right? These spiritual disciplines. Fasting is probably the most neglected of all. And we can't punt on a discipline that Jesus told us that we should do. We can't just neglect it. And so what we're gonna talk about today and what Jesus talks about today is this fasting. What is fasting? What is it, right? Well, in, in, in the Jewish world, and you've gotta, when you read scripture, you've gotta come down to, uh, uh, okay, what's the context that this scripture is addressing? Because you can't interpret this passage for today outside of the cultural context in which it was or you get into trouble, right? And so what's the context and, and, and what is fasting? In that context, it's specifically uh, ultimately dealt with denying food and or drink, it, it, you know, sometimes just food, food and or drink for the purpose of focusing on the Father, right? That's what it was. And so uh, it, it's not a hunger strike, 
so that you can try to get God to do something, uh, right? It, it, it's, fo- it's denying food so that you can focus on the feast on the Father. And so, so uh, Jesus here, he tells us what to do in this passage. But before, like he did in fasting and like he, um, prayer and, and giving, he told us what not to do before he tells us what to do, all right? And so let's dig into this passage in Matthew chapter six and look at verse 16. He says this, and when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. So have you noticed in all of these, it's like the hypocrites. Remember, hypocrisy, hypocrite was not a negative word until this because hypocrite just described an actor, someone who was hiding behind a mask. You couldn't see who they were. They were pretending to be someone they were not, playing off of people's emotions. That's what hypocrisy is, right? So we know that today is a negative word. This is, it began to change here. Do not be like those who are playing a game. They're not real. What you see is not the real deal, right? That's what Jesus said. For what do they do? Well, when they fast, they disfigure their faces. And that their fasting may be seen by others. They look gloomy. They disfigure their faces. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, as we said, fasting was common practice in the Jewish world. This is a common part of their worship. It was a common practice in in, in their their religious world. It was a part of the rhythm of their life as a Jew. Specifically, they were commanded to to fast on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is the one day a year that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a room inside the temple. Like if you would come into church and there would be a room back here that no one could go in. Uh, no one could go in it because in that room was the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, think, think Raiders of the Lost Ark here. Remember, think Exodus, really. Uh, uh, remember in, 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 that cov- in that Ark of the Covenant, there were three things. There was the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets. There was manna, uh, where God had given them through uh, their, their wilderness journey. And then there was the, the staff or the rod uh, of, of Aaron, uh, who was Moses' brother, where the priesthood flowed through. So that was in there, and it was, the, it, it was a symbol of the presence of God with his people, right? And if you remember that, on top, the, the lid was called the mercy seat. It was where the priest offered sacrifices. Jesus had not yet atoned for sin, and so the Ark of the Covenant was in a room that could not be approached, It was only the high priest, only once a year, he could go into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices first for the sins of he and his family and then for the people on behalf of the people, right? And so this is the curtain that was torn between the, 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 the Holy of Holies. Uh, this was the veil when Jesus died on the cross in the earthquake happened and the veil was torn from top to bottom. That, that curtain was torn, that separating barrier between the presence of God and, and those who followed him because now sin had been atoned for. The Holy Spirit would, would soon at that moment invade the lives of all the believers of Jesus Christ living within us because now our sin had been atoned for and the presence of God could live within us. The Holy of Holies, the priests would go in and and sacrifice. On that day, they were commanded to fast. Now, even to this day, on Yom Kippur, Jews still fast. So fasting here is not what Jesus is, is, uh, you know, he's not hitting fasting. He's not saying, don't fast. What are you fasting for? That's not what he's doing. He's hitting how they did it. He's condemning how they did it how the religious leaders specifically, the hypocrites did it, right? That's what he's condemning. He says, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites or disfigure your face. 
So what did they do? Well, remember, as in giving, when he said, sound no trumpets before you, because man, they wanted to put a spectacle. When were they gonna give? They wanted it to be announced. They wanted people to look at, at, at when they were giving so that people could say, oh, they give a lot. They do, you know, and so they're, they're putting their money in when people are looking. So, oh, look at them. They're giving a lot, man. We ought, to na- we ought to name this auditorium after them. You know, I mean, they're so spiritual. The same thing when praying. They would stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, and they would use all this flowery language. They weren't really talking to God. They were talking so that people could hear their words and think they were super spiritual, Right? And so fasting, no one can see you, right? I mean, I mean, man, you do without a meal at lunch and someone's just thinking, man, he's just not eating today. He's, maybe, maybe he ate an early lunch, right? Maybe he ate a late breakfast. Maybe he's, I mean, so, so you know, no one can hear. So, what, well, I gotta make sure people know. So how do I do that? They look gloomy. They didn't practice personal hygiene, put sackcloth on their head, put ashes on their face, right? Look a little goth, right? I mean, I mean, make sure that people know that, man, I'm fasting, and then people will look and, and, and say, oh, he's fasting. He's fasting. Oh, man, he's so spiritual. You say, they would really do that? I mean, yeah, you see people do that every day now, don't you? <laughs> I mean, you, you say, yeah, I saw somebody walking down with sackcloth on their head yesterday, right? No, you don't see people walking with sackcloth on their head and ash on their face, but what you see is, is if you've got Instagram, you scroll through, and that's all it's full of. And it would be the same as if someone today, here's what they did. They're fasting, and man, they said, oh, man, I want, I want people to know I'm fasting. I'm going to take a picture of an empty plate. Man, I'm going to put it on there and go, well, fasting today, my plate's empty, fasting today for the glory of the Lord. Or you take a picture of Longhorn, driving by. Well, I wish I could say I was eating here today, but I'm trying to fast for the Lord today. You, you, you see that it's on Facebook, you're like, are you kidding me? You, you, you know, it's like, I, if I saw that, I would literally be tempted to respond, and I try to not respond. I, I don't even look at that stuff much anymore, but I, I, I try to respond, well, if you're trying to do it for the glory of the Lord, why are you telling everybody? For you've received your reward, right? I mean, you see people that do that. I mean, you see people that put pictures on there, and you, you know they're just baiting you for a response. I mean, you ever see somebody that puts a picture on here, you know, I mean, Dr. Gazinski over here, I mean, you know, I look over at him and I mean, man, I don't, I don't think you do Instagram, Doc. I think you just got a phone like two years ago. But, uh, you know, you put a picture on Instagram. If I just saw him with a picture on Instagram, I'm like, why? I know what he looks like. You see men do this, you see women do this, and women are like, put that, take that picture, put it on there, you know, and, 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 and then they're just, and they're, they're wanting, you know what they're wanting, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You know, I mean, so that, that's what was happening. That's what was happening, you know, when, when, when the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders, they were looking gloomy. They were, oh, you're, you're spiritual. You're so spiritual. Jesus said, don't do that. That's not why you're fasting. You're not fasting so others can see you and think you're something. Don't do it. And so he tells us, here are a couple of, uh, of, of things about fasting as we seek to walk in the way of the kingdom, right? One, we fast from the world. We fast from the world. Look at what he says in Matthew 6, 17. The next verse, uh, he, he says this, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret reward you. Now, 
Uh, obviously, notice the first thing is he expects us to fast because he said when, not if. He said that with giving. He said that with praying. And he says this with fasting, when, not if. If somebody says when you go do this, you know, uh, you know, if I tell my son when I leave, I tell Isaiah, Isaiah, when you take the trash can to the road today, do the, I'm not giving him an option, am I? I'm not saying if you take it. If I say if, you think he's going to take that trash to the road? When I say when you take the trash to the road today, I need you to put it here. I'm saying do it, right? And so he expects us to fast, but what he doesn't, so, so he expects us to fast just not like the, the, the Pharisees are doing it. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 9, remember, Jesus' disciples were asked, I think it was John the Baptist's disciples, who asked Jesus, Jesus, why does your disciples not fast? And Jesus said, if you'll remember, I'm gonna, my, just, I'm gonna paraphrase it here, uh, uh, that uh, do the guests mourn when the bridegroom is still with them? But I tell you, there's a day coming when the bridegroom will no longer be with them, and then they will fast. What's he saying? Here's what he's saying. Jesus, 33 years lived on this planet, God. For three years, he was in public ministry. He had his disciples following him for three years. In those three years, they were literally feasting on him every day. In those three years, they were feasting on every word. In those three years, they were in his presence every day. Jesus said, they don't need to fast when I'm physically present with them. But we know now what happened. After Jesus' resurrection uh, from the cross, he spent 40 days with his disciples. And where did he go? He jetted back to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. And then one day, he's gonna return again. Until he returns... Or until we go to him, until he comes back for us, or we go to him, he expects us to fast. When you fast, he said. So he expects us to just not like the Pharisees, not, like the, not doing it for a spectacle or a show or for anyone else, not doing it for the eyes or the ears of, uh, of, of uh, the world, but doing it for the, the, the heart of God, right? And so, uh, so during, during this time uh, uh, when, the, when they would fast, he was saying, man, you don't look gloomy. Wash your head. Wash your head and anoint, uh, uh, wash your, anoint your head and wash your face. What's he saying? He's saying, man, uh, anoint your head goes back to, if you'll think about the 23rd Psalm. 23rd Psalm, very famous Psalm of David, right? Uh, yeah, I walk through the, yeah, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know the song. And what does he say? Uh, you anoint my head with oil, right? You prepare a table before me. You, he says, he, he makes su- several statements about God. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. What does he mean, anoint my head? You refresh me. It was common in that day. Think about the heat that we've had in recent, uh, the last week or so. I mean, stifling 100 degree heat, right? It's coming back. Thank you, Lord, for the reprieve. It's coming back. Uh, but the, the stifling 100 degree heat, they lived in the Middle East. Think desert, think dust, think dirt. Uh, over 100 degrees, you're a traveler. You don't have uh, vehicles with ACs. You're walking, you're traveling, you're hot, you're tired, you're dirty, you're dusty, you're wore out. You show up to someone's house and what did they do? You show up to someone's house and uh, obviously it was customary that they would provide water for you to wash. They would pro- anoint your head with oil. It was refreshing. So here's what Jesus said. Don't look gloomy. Don't disfigure your face. Take a shower in our world today. I mean, refresh yourself. Man, be joyful, be happy. This is between you and the Lord, right? And what are you doing? Remember, uh, 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 fasting is not, it's not the legalistic act of fasting. It's not like you fast for the sake of fasting, you fast 
to be close to the Father. Jesus is more concerned about your faithfulness than your fasting, folks. He's more concerned about your faithfulness than your fasting. And, uh, you know, simply put, here's what happens. Fasting creates hunger. I don't know if you've ever fasted or not, uh, uh, but if you've been here for a while, you fasted with us. Fasting creates hunger. You have this need for food, right? Uh, and probably not the need that we always, I don't probably need as much as I eat, but we have a need for food. We can't live without food, right? And so when you don't eat, when you fast, then you get hungry. So what does hunger do? God created you with this uh, built-in system that when you get hungry, it drives you to something, right? It drives you to get nourishment, to eat food, which gives nourishment and fuel for your body. But when you fast, what that does is it creates a hunger that is not just physical, but hopefully a spiritual hunger that causes you to feast, that causes you to get spiritual nourishment, that fuels your spiritual soul, right? That's what, that's what fasting is. And, and so that's why they fasted from food, and it was pretty much what they had to fast from. I don't think food is necessarily the issue. I think fasting from food is, is a way we fast. Uh, if, if you can medically uh, uh, fast from food, some of you, you have dietary uh, issues or restrictions that you cannot. Let me tell you, when, when, when you, you know, it's probably really good if you wanna fast, you need to talk to your physician about it. If you have issues like diabetes, obviously, he can tell you how you can fast or whether you can or cannot fast. You have some dietary restrictions that would allow you to. Some of you, in all honesty, some people have, have a history or a past with eating disorders, and if you do, that's a very real issue. Maybe that wouldn't be the wisest idea for you. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. You need some spiritual advice there from a pastor, from one of our pastors, or from your, your physician is that as well. And so there are, uh, you know, uh, a physical uh, limitations, I think, uh, that would say, man, I, I don't have to, I, uh, fasting from food might not be a great idea for you. For the majority of us, it's fine, right? Uh, but so, but that don't mean, okay, you get off the hook if you got diabetes. Diabetes, as Wilford Brimley says, you know, you got, you're, you're off the hook. That don't mean you're off the hook. Because in today's world, to be quite honest with you, I think the principle here is what we go with. And to be quite honest with you, in today's world, I think there's probably things that you can fast from that's even probably more relative and, and, and more beneficial than fasting from food uh, in our like maybe screen-addicted world, you know? I mean, in our screen-addicted world where every day we look at these screens so much and, and our kids, man, think about our kids. Our kids are growing up not knowing how to handle life without a screen. I mean, from the time they're born, we take them to a restaurant. Man, man, when I went to the restaurant, you know, if I cried and pouted and whined a little bit and got loud, you know, I, I got a little rod of discipline, right? And what that caused me to do was that caused me to understand how I should act in society, how I should be a part of society. Well, now we go into a restaurant and our kids, a man, start crying or something, and we just throw a screen in front of them to watch TV. They're not even understanding how to live in society, right? What I do, and we're teaching them, man, go in society and sit there. And I, I see people, husbands and wives. You see husbands and wives all the time eating, and you go out to eat, and I say, I tell Amy, hey, look over there, look over there. There's a man and a woman, and, and whether husband and wife, I don't know. They're either on a date or they're husband and wife, and they're sitting there, both of them, look at this. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that crazy. And so, 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 you know, one of the greatest things we could do today is, is fast from our, our screens. Oh, Lord, I'll do it without a cheeseburger, Pat, all day. Don't let me do it without my screen. 
As a matter of fact, many people, you know what they say, I don't have time. I just don't have time to get up and have my quiet time. I don't have time. Really? Well, your phone does this thing that calls you out on that, right? I think it's on every Sunday if you've got an iPhone. And I, don't, I don't know about the, the, the other, what are the other ones, the inferior ones, the, not the iPhones? <laughs> I'm kidding. I just hate that they turn my text stream green. I don't know what that's all about. But uh, every Sunday, I think it's Sunday, isn't this crazy? That they send you a report of your screen time. Go look at your screen time. And when you do, just say, okay, I can never again say I don't have time to do anything. That excuse has gone out the window. When you see the hours that you spent on your screen <laughs> this week, then you can't say, I just don't have time to get up in the morning and have my quiet time. I just don't have time to not to read the Bible. I just, oh, wait a minute. I spent five hours on my screen this week, and I, that's, that's for most people that don't spend a lot of time on it, right? One of the greatest things we could do is, is fast from our screen time. And because here's what happens. When our stomachs are empty from the absence of food or our eyes are empty from the glare of the screen, you know what we can do? We can, we, we can tune in and be more sensitive to what God's saying to us. That, that, it's, it's amazing what God does when, when we just tune in. And, and, and the closer uh, that, that we, that we uh, uh, or the, the, the more we lay that stuff down, the more tuned in we can be with him. And, and what happens is, is, is man, we, we, we begin to understand and we begin to be pulled into the heart of the Father, which is why we, we feast from the world, the things of the world for a time in order to focus on the Father. And then the second thing is, is we feast on the Father. We, we, we fast from the world to feast with God feast with the Father. Fast from the world, the feast with the Father. You know, fasting is not just about denying yourself of something. It's not just denying yourself of food or denying yourself of your screen just to do it for the purpose of self-discipline. And I'm just going to do it. No, it's not denying yourself from food just to be denying yourself from food. That's called a diet, right? Nobody likes a diet. I mean, that, that's, we don't deny just to be denying. We deny to get the reward. And Jesus never condemned the reward. He never condemned the Pharisees or the religious leaders for wanting a reward. He condemned them for the reward that they wanted. It wasn't the reward, it was the reward they wanted. You see, they wanted the re reward of the world, the approval of the world. They wanted the reward of the praise of the world, right? Jesus said, no, 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 no. His disciples do it for the reward of the word. His disciples do it for the reward of the presence of the Father, Right, that, that's what we do, and 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 so uh, you know when we when we when we deny ourselves food for the purpose, our screen or whatever, for the purpose of focusing on the Father, uh, then we become more like the Father. You know, my my dad. This is Father's Day, and my dad died a couple of years ago. And you know, I, I've talked about our relationship with you and everything, but here, here's the issue. You, you know, here, here's what I know. Here's what I know. My dad drove Ford trucks. You know what kind of truck I drive today? Ford. My dad loved football. I don't, I hate it, right? <laughs> you, you've been around me long enough, I love football. My dad loved motor, my dad had a motorcycle since I can ever remember until just a few years before he died when he could no longer, you know, I mean, even, it's like, dad, you need to, <laughs> no, I mean, he had one. I mean, when I was, before I could walk, I've got pictures of me on my motor, on dad, my dad's motorcycle, 
if you could believe that. I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? And so I love motorcycles, you know? I mean, here's the thing. You become like your dad, whether you realize it or not, when you spend time with your dad. When you spend, dads get this, your kids, whether you realize it or not, your kids become like you. And sometimes that's not, sometimes it's a great thing. Sometimes it's not so great, right? Good and bad. I mean, my dad, uh, my dad was, is, is well known in our area for uh, having zero filter. He's well known for letting his mouth override, you know, uh, letting his mouth get him in trouble. Uh, you are right? I, I mean, he, he, here's what I need you to understand. Dads, kids are watching, and whether you want them to or not, they're going to begin to look like you and take on your characteristics. When we fast, we're spending time with daddy. When we fast, we're watching daddy. We're, draw, we're fasting from the world to feast on the father, and we're becoming more like him as we feast on the Father, right? The closer we get to him, then what happens is when, I, when, I'm, when, I, when, I, when I'm hungry and the, I, I withdraw from food or I lay down my screen and, and I'm, I'm using that time to focus on the Father, here's what I'm doing. Then I focus on the Father and then I begin to understand the Father's heart and then I, I, what, I, I begin to hate my sin. See, it's a problem when we don't hate our sin. We all sin. We all commit sins. We're not perfect. The problem is when we don't hate our sin. But when we, when, we, when we focus on the Father, we begin to hate what he hates. We begin to love what he loves. Therefore, when we focus on the Father in fasting, we begin to be compelled into his mission. Right? We begin to, to go after the things he goes after. Our mind begins to change. Our mind begins to open up. Right? And, and, and so uh, we become more like daddy because we're feasting on the Father. John Piper says this about uh, fast, uh, fasting, he basically says, when God is the supreme hunger of your heart, not that steak or that cheeseburger or that you know incredible tuna or whatever, when God is the supreme hunger of your heart, he will be supreme in everything. And when you are most satisfied in him, he will be most glorified in you. It's a, it's a great statement. And so, so here, here's the deal. How do we apply this message today? The message is we fast. God expects us to fast. Some of you, uh, uh, most of us need to do that by, by food, but it's not always food. Some of us can't do food. We need to do screens and we need to do radio, TV, whatever. How do you do this? Well, we do it both individually and corporately. And let me, let me tell you how we're gonna challenge you to do it. Uh, one, as an individual, I think it's the most neglected. I think it ought to be the rhythm of your life. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by the rhythm of your life, what I mean and don't mean. I don't necessarily see in Scripture, nor do I think that necessarily it might be the, the, the greatest way to say, okay, I'm going to fast every Wednesday. I'm going to fast for lunch every Friday, and that's a part of it. That's not what we see in Scripture. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. That's all we see. What we see in Scripture is people set aside specific times for specific purposes. I mean, there's rhythm there, but 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 it's generally for the the spread of the gospel, for evangelism, and they fast, right? And so I think it's important that sometimes throughout the year we set aside time and say, okay, we're going to. We're going to fast. I mean, you, you, begin, uh, you begin to fast. The next time you have a major decision, if you're a teenager or, or if you're single 
And you say, should I date this man or should I date this woman? If you love the Lord and you really wanna know if the Lord wants you to date this man or this woman, uh, if because, well, they're a Christian and now they meet that. If it's not a Christian, no. But it, then, fast. It, 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 should I marry this man or this woman? Fast. When your kids are off the rail, and I promise you, you know, listen, they either have been, they are, or they probably will be, right? Were you? Uh, when your kids are off the rail, you don't, fast. Your marriage is in trouble. When your marriage is struggling, fast. Ask the Lord, and here's what's crazy. I promise you, here's what's crazy. Uh, when you fast in your marriage, and, and, and you know, sometimes it's like, uh, you know, I just want God, I want you to fix Amy because she's got a lot of problems. You know what I mean, right? Hey, I want you to fix my wife or my husband because they have a lot of problems. And then I start to fast, and God begins to reveal to me, Pat, this is your problem. I'm like, that's not what I wanted you to do, Lord. I wanted you to fix her. But then I began to realize, wait a minute, the problem is with my temper. The problem is with my stress level. The problem is with my expectation that's warped by societal norm that's not a biblical norm. My, the problem might be something that's not her. You see, that, that's what happens when we fast. And so when we, when we fast and we go in and, and we say, man, I'm gonna fast for the next 24 hours, or I'm gonna fast for lunch, and, and, and don't do this. Don't say, I'm gonna fast from lunch and you just don't eat and you just take your phone and sit down and rather than eat lunch, you just look on your phone. No, 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 that's not fast. That's just not eating, right? You fast so you can take that time and focus on the Lord. And when that hunger pain hits, here's what you do. You say, oh, when, you know, when that stomach growls, and typically when that stomach growls, I'm the, oh man, immediately, that means I gotta have me a protein bar, right? I mean, that's Americans, right? I mean, I gotta have that protein bar. I gotta fill that, it's, it's growling, I gotta fill it up. And, and, and that's what we do. But, you know, uh, when, when that stomach growls, I'm reminded at that point to say, oh God, I'm hungry. But more than I want food, I want you. More than I wanna eat right now, I want you. More than I want my stomach to be filled, I want my soul to be filled, God. God, and then I began to pray. And, and so you take that time and begin to focus. And listen, I promise, you're gonna be reminded because you're gonna be reminded how hungry you are, which is gonna remind you to focus on the Lord. It's amazing what God will do. Fast for your kids, fast for your marriage. There's time you say, man, I'm just gonna fast. Fast together. You and your wife, fast together. Get your kids and, hey, we're gonna do this. If you're kids now, obviously, uh, uh, age appropriate, all that kind of stuff with nutrition, we're gonna fast, help them to fast. You're gonna fast from your screen, son, because we're fasting for food and this is what we're doing. You know, and this is why, begin to teach them, right? So fast individually. Now, we also fast corporately. If you've been around here long enough to know, then you know that God has done some amazing things in this church uh, through fasting, it was through fasting in 2004 that God led us to really send us out and propel us into missions, right? That we've got missionaries all over the world, that we've got campuses in Brussels and Bangkok, and we've got partners in, in, in Brazil and, and, and everywhere. We've done work in Mexico and we've got we've, everywhere, Africa. We've got, we've got work and partnerships and, and, and it, was in, it was through a fat time of fasting that we call sacred gathering in 2004 that God just propelled us out. It was through times of fasting that why we have campuses here because we were growing like crazy, we were growing and we didn't have space. And so what we do, we thought immediately, what do you do when you don't have space? You add a build a bedroom, right? You either buy a bigger house or you build a bedroom onto your house. You don't have space, you build more room. We thought that's what we needed to do as a church. 
We're gonna build more room. We're gonna build a youth building. We're gonna build a children's building. We're gonna convert some stuff. That's what we thought back in, in, in a few years ago. And, and it was through fasting that, uh, that God, in like 2010 or something like that, I don't know the date, it was through fasting through there that we had plans. We, oh, we were gonna build and we had plans and we would fast for three days when we do these things. We call the church to fast for three days and to meet together at night and just pray. We do that and it's like, oh man, it's amazing. The, the cr- people show up and we pray. What God does in individualizing as a church, it was through that that God said, I, th- there's a reason why I, I'm not letting you build this because I don't want you to build this. I don't want you just to keep bringing more people in here. I want you to send people out of here. Again, I said, Lord, that's not what I wanna do. I love these people. They're good leaders. I want them to be right here to help me lead. And God said, I want you to send them out. You gotta be a good steward of leadership. I'll raise up more. And so we've got campuses, you know, which is great. Can you, if all of our campuses all over here in our area were here today, there's at zero, there'd be people sitting out in the, out in the uh, uh, you know, parking lot. And matter of fact, they wouldn't, right? It's hot. So we, we've got space, we've got room. God's glorified, it's through fasting. It's through fasting, so we're gonna do that again. We're, we're, we're planning to do that sometime this fall. Uh, we don't have all the details yet, but we're planning to do that again. We want our staff to do that. And so uh, individual fasting. Here, here's the thing. Here's what I wanna stop and say. If you don't know the Lord, uh, we want you to taste the bread of life today. If you don't know the Lord, we want you to taste the bread of life. You're never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be happy. You're, never, you're always gonna have a hole in your soul until you give your life to Jesus Christ and submit your life to his lordship. There is no other way. There is no other way, folks. I mean, our world will tell you there's many ways. There is no other way except through Jesus. If you don't know him, and man, you, you, you absolutely today, you've got this feeling about, I wanna know more about that. That's the spirit the presence of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction into your heart. Uh, don't dampen that or turn that down. You turn that up. If you're online watching, then the, the, you text the word Jesus to the number on the screen, one, 615-551-9800. If you're in the building, you can do that. Better yet, we're right here. You can come right out the, the, the door and you can, in, in that uh, area, in this section of the hallway, we got a connection booth. Uh, it's information, they'll help you. We had people come back last week, two people come back last week. You could be one of those this week that literally on Father's Day, on Father's Day, it's the greatest Father's Day if some of you dads would say, I need Jesus. Some of you, some of the kids would say, I need Jesus. Some of you moms, wives, husbands would say, I need Jesus. Today, if you've, today rather than fasting, if you don't know Jesus, you need to be focused on the bread of life. That's what you need to be focused on, tasting the bread of life and seeing how fulfilling and satisfying it really is. Today, would you do that? If you're a believer, then I would ask you today, if your goal is to become more like Jesus, that you would begin to sit down and plan out and think. Now, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna ask you to fast. We're gonna do it together as you do it individually uh, over the next two weeks, one day. And let me, let me, let me, let me tell you how we're gonna do that. Put it, put it up on the screen. We're gonna ask you to fast for camp, okay? Now, if those who are going to camp those who are going to camp, leaders and students, we're gonna ask to fast next week. That's June the 21st, 8 p.m. Uh, until June the, June the 22nd, 8 p.m. That is, uh, I think, Tuesday night at 8 p.m. next week through Wednesday night. That's for those who are going. 
We don't want them fasting at camp because, uh, man, they're at camp and it's 100 miles an hour, it's hot, and they, they need some go-go juice. They need some energy. So they're gonna fast before for what God can do at camp. We're gonna ask you, the church, on the next week, June the 28th, that's the next Tuesday night uh, at 8 p.m., so you can eat dinner before 8 p.m., start your fast at 8, and then fast until 8, 8 p.m. Uh, on Wednesday night during camp. Why do you do that? You do that uh, because that's the night that we are uh, sharing the gospel with the kids, and we want uh, you to pray. And, uh, and you're gonna, next week, you're gonna receive an armband, a, a bracelet that's got the name of a kid. And that's all it's gonna have. And we're gonna ask you to pray for that kid all week during camp, week after next. We're gonna ask you to pray. If your name, if that, if that uh, is, is Jane Doe on, on, your, on your wristband, then you pray for Jane Doe. I don't know, Lord, you don't know Jane Doe. Maybe you do, if you do, great. If you don't, I don't know Jane Doe. I don't know if she's a Christian. I don't know if, if she's not. If she's not, save her. God, if she is, revive her. Put a, ignite a flame in her heart. Help her, help her soul to be changed this week. Help her to be more like you this week. Pray for her, her small group. Pray for her family. Pray for Jane Doe all week. Then you fast next Tuesday, not this week, unless you're going, ne- the next Tuesday uh, through Wednesday, 8 p.m. to 8 p.m., and ask God specifically to do incredible things at camp, which is what we see in Scripture. Fasting typically goes with evangel- evangelization and the spread of the gospel. So we're gonna ask you to do that. If you can't medically or dietary reasons, then you shut down your phone, shut down your TV, shut down your radio. Man, sometimes that's what you do. You shut down your radio. I I did some traveling on Friday and I drove for hours on Friday and the first two and a half hours or so, the radio was off and all I was doing was praying and doing my scripture memory and just, just, I was fasting from, from, from music, from, from country music or from, from uh, uh, sports talk, you know, like what do I need more? Do I need the rumors of the sports talk or do I need to know the Lord more? You know, and so I was just fasting. Not to say I do it all the time. I, I love sports talk, right? Uh, uh, but I fasted so that I could pray, so that I could memorize. And so fast. If you can't from food, you can from something so that you can pray that God does amazing things at camp. And let's see what the Lord does. Today, if you're not a believer, taste the bread of life. Fasting, we want you to to taste the bread of life and be satisfied. If you are, we want you to literally set your sights on becoming like Jesus and not being satisfied with praying a prayer and sitting in a pew, sitting in a seat, but becoming like Jesus. Uh, Michael and Daisy are gonna come back out and lead us in a time of response. And this time is designed and developed to sing, but so that you can respond. Some of you can sing. Some of you, man, you just need to talk to the Lord during this time. Some of you, the altar is always open. If you wanna pray, you can pray where you are. You can come down. You can come back to us. You respond how God has led you to respond, okay? Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you, God, for your word. Lord, I know that fasting is, countercultural in our world. I know that, uh, Lord, not denying ourselves of anything really is countercultural, and sometimes we don't understand why, but Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would just obey you, that we would just submit ourselves to you and to your way of living and see what happens. God, I pray that we would become holy. God, I pray that we would become, I pray that our church, Lord, I pray this constantly for our church. I pray that we're holy, healthy, and happy. God, I pray that we're holy because we're more like you. Lord, we're set aside. I pray that we're healthy 
because we're a healthy church who does exactly what you create the church to do. And I pray that we're happy, that we're unified, that we're laughing, that we're having a good time because we know that no matter what's going on in our world, our citizenship is with you and our daddy is in control and we can be happy. God, I pray that, Lord, we would obey your commands. Fasting is one of those. Help us to know how to do it and and, and help us to be committed to, to drawing closer to you, whatever it takes. I pray for all these disciplines. I pray that we would be committed to being disciplined so that we can be disciples. Lord, we love you and we thank you and do do something amazing right now. Move into people's lives. Save someone who's not saved. Those who are, awaken our souls to follow you more deeply. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.